Welcome back, guys. And you're back for episode three of Dell's Debate from Boots Off TV. I just wanted to say, first of all, please follow our socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook. You can also check out our podcast on Spotify. And please do stay indoors, stay safe, follow regulations, and we can all get some sport back on soon. So for today, I'm joined again by my co-founder, Ed. Do you want to say hello, bud? Hi, Dell. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, no, great, great to great be here speaking to you about sport as always, Dell. Uh, times are moving over now a bit, and hopefully things are starting to get slightly back to normal. So uh, it gives us a good opportunity to talk, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, obviously, we're not really in a position to be speaking about games that have been kind of going on and whatever else, but there does seem to be still some football news to be talking about. So that gives us always. something to chat about, bud. So it's good. Mm. First of all, something in which I saw this week that I couldn't get my head around and I've had to speak about it is the words of troops from Arsenal Fan TV stating that Lacazette is a better player than Firmino. In my eyes, mate, I hate to say this word, but complete garbage. There is no way you can compare them to, first of all, different players. Second of all, I'm sorry, I do like Lacazette as a player, but he's just not in the same league as Firmino, man. Well, I'm glad you used the word garbage. I had a bad feeling you were going to agree with him there. But uh, yeah, garbage is, is what that point is. A lot of the time with uh, Arsenal fan TV, uh, I know they get they get bad rep from their own fans. A lot of fans don't actually like them. And that's for different reasons than things like this. It was a lot of the moaning around Wenger and then with uh, Emery last season. And it just brings a bit of a bring a bit of a bad rep for the club. Like I've always looked at it, and I know other fans look at it as a bit of a joke and have a laugh at Arsenal fan TV and look forward to watching Arsenal fan TV at the... Uh, the guy is going mental. So uh, when this this, this this troop said about this, I instantly obviously thought it was uh, a ridiculous statement to, to compare Lacazette to Bobby Firmino. But then again, fair enough to him. It's his unpopular opinion. I think he was calling it. So he's got us talking about it. So the fact that we're talking about it on here is probably him succeeding in what he was hoping for. But I completely agree with you. Uh, outrageous statement. Bobby Firmino is, is much higher on my books. Yeah, I, d I do agree with you. And obviously, we've got friends such as, say, Ryan. He's a huge Arsenal fan, but he mm. is one of the people who wouldn't always agree with Arsenal fan TV. But it always comes back to that question, doesn't it? Are they moving more towards the bias side of things or are they more towards the football fan side of things? And for me, obviously, I'm a United fan. It's broken my heart to see the decline we've had. But more than that, I'm a football fan. So sometimes you do have to hold your hands up. Like for me to say that Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best centre mid in the league being a City player... It hurts to say that. It hurts me. To see Liverpool win in the league, does it hurt me? Yes. But do I have to hold my hands up and say these things? Yes, because that's me being a football fan more than a Manchester United fan. Yeah, no, even as fans nowadays, I know you, you can get a bit carried away and it can be a bit of biasness. I'm definitely probably swayed more towards Liverpool when I'm talking about certain things. And at this point in time, I'm, I'm in my right to because of how well we're playing. And I'm like, like you just said there, I will openly admit when someone is better than another player or if a club is better than, than my club. But at this time, to say something like Lacazette, who's not even scoring goals, fair enough, if he said a Bamiyang, then we've got a conversation there. Then then, then that's 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 a, a, a close one there. Maybe Bamiyang might actually have the edge. Saying that, though, if, if, if he was to come into Liverpool's team, he wouldn't be getting over Bobby Firmino in terms of the way Liverpool play. But you could argue that he's a potential better player than Firmino. That one's doable. Saying about Lacazette, that's just... That's, yeah, you can't have that sort of conversation. The sort of player like Firmino is, he's sort of that Fernandez sort of player in which they can control a game. And yeah. when the ball is played to Firmino, if you look every time Liverpool are attacking, he's the guy that kind of receives the ball, he looks out, he plays it. He's kind of the one that makes that front three sort of gel together and work as a unit, say. So... yeah. 
He's defining that false nine sort of role. Where yeah, he wins the ball exactly. back. He links up. He scores goals as well. But his main job isn't actually to be the goal scorer. The goal scorers are Mane and Salah, and he complements their game uh, fantastically. So he he slots right in there perfectly in that false nine. Oh, the way he complements the game. Obviously, there's a few instances this season in which he's pulled off some amazing, amazing trickery. Mm. Simple as that. Yeah, so very good. I do, I, I do understand to an extent in which I say. Yeah, Lacazette is a great player. He is very good. But, again, it comes back. Is Lacazette a false nine? I wouldn't say he is. Is Lacazette better than Firmino? 100% no in my eyes. He, he's a goal scorer. He's not someone who's scoring goals now. But when he's on, he's a goal scorer. That's his main role. Uh, th- th- this this Troops guy, he's, he's, he's wanting to get people uh, hating his points. Uh, probably not the most popular fan, even with Arsenal, Arsenal fans. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I can see what he's trying to do. I don't even know if he personally believes that point or not, but if he does fair play, he's entitled to his opinion, even if it is a ridiculous one. Yeah, well, on onto the subject of Arsenal, there's a few areas in which they obviously need to invest in. Oh, one definitely. of those areas in which I would say is central midfield. It, mm. They've kind of missed that sort of leader. Someone who's just been announced as being available this summer, Donny van der Beek, he's been linked with Madrid on a number of occasions. Very, very very talented midfielder to come mm, out of Holland so. again obviously mm. following the young last season he's taken well to La Liga in my eyes so it's kind of a, it's an exciting time for Dutch football in my the, the question I kind of have it is obviously with that box-to-box midfielder what sort of team should be looking at Donny van der Beek and saying we need to kind of throw our name into that hat He's a very good player, as you as you said. Arsenal, if he if they could get hold of him, that would be an ideal man to to fit into their team. Uh, with, with him and the other Ajax boys, De Lit, De Jong, as you were mentioning, uh, that is a great generation for for the Ajax team. Shame for them; they've signed, kind of had what uh, what's happened to Monaco a few years back, where their teams slowly being just taken apart with all the best players after a really good run. But what it is really good for is uh, the Dutch national team. The fact they've got all these young players, plus the likes of a Van Dijk playing uh, in their squad. There's, there's two tournaments in two years um, proceeding on from next summer. So, uh, yeah, they could have a real force together and really put a, a good a good chase to, to, to win one of those, if if not push for both of those titles. It's a really good Dutch team. In terms of your question about uh, who, who, who he would be best suited for, a decent Premier League team like Arsenal, even a bigger team like a Real Madrid in, in Spain. But, you know, it would really be interesting to see if Newcastle get this this money all, all set up and sorted from the takeover. You, I wouldn't be shocked to see them try and put in their name in the hat. A good player like him who could set up in that team well and, and, and be there for like the next five, six years. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to see that one potentially uh, developing into something. Yeah, you kind of see that a lot. Um, with a lot of teams, obviously, they get that sort of investment. And these are the sorts of players that they should sort of be looking for. Um, if we're talking to United, I feel like if we lose one of our midfielders, and by lose, if I mean we sell Matic, then we get someone like Van der Beek in. I think that would be good. But at the moment, I feel like our midfield's too packed, man. Um, I feel like there's there's better options for him. I feel like Madrid, obviously, you've got Cruises knocking on a bit now. Modric is knocking on a bit. They've got a few yeah. good young players coming through. I feel, I feel like Madrid would actually be a really great move for him. And seeing, obviously, the way in which, if we're talking a few years ago, Dutch mm. football wasn't at a great stage. They weren't making tournaments to now kind of making that progression. I feel like they're kind of going through the same sort of thing Belgium went through, in yeah. which they were, had a few right. bad tournaments. Boom, they're back now. They're at a good level. I think everyone kind of sees the exciting times it is for Dutch football and they'll 
Van der Sar, he worded it greatly, and I feel like it was a, a really nice way in which he worded it about Van der Beek, in which he said he is available to go. Um, because these guys have put in their heart and soul to that Ajax team. Obviously, mm. last season they got to the semi-finals. It was a great one for them. They had an amazing game against Chelsea this season. So it's obviously things are progressing for them. It's sad to see that team broken up, but do I believe that they're going to have more great youth players coming through? Yeah, I do think, man. I feel like they'll Ajax will be all right in the end. It's just that youth system that just produces year after year, man. Yeah, great youth system. Plus, they have a lot of money now, and I'm sure they get a lot of money uh, with this transfer as well, like they did with some of the other lads. Uh, I think with, with him, he, he's got a few options of whether he'd go to Real Madrid and he'd have a situation where he's really got to fight for his spot and he might have to accept not playing all the time at first or go to an Arsenal or a Man United even because I know you're saying Man United's got a lot of options of midfielders, which they have, which raises the competition, but I see him better than a lot of them. Like If you compare him to like a, a Pereira, I think he's a better player than Pereira and, and a lot of the other United uh, midfielders. But yeah, he could pick a, a team like United or Arsenal where he, he can probably play a lot of football first season and become one of the best players. Real Madrid could be a bit more of a gamble, but as you said, Frankie de Jong is doing really well over in uh, over in Barcelona, so it's uh, it's an interesting one. Money might play a part too, you know, you never know if he's getting paid a load more money like he probably would be at Real Madrid or Barcelona, that might uh, sway his opinion. Yeah, obviously so. money talks in today's game a lot, so we're yeah. in a position where it as much as obviously we've had the pandemic and things have been a bit crazy, I still think it's going to be quite an exciting transfer window this summer. I feel like... Yeah, I think so too. And um, I, I, I like what you're touching upon. You're touching upon about um, the Dutch team going back to sort of international football quickly. Uh, another team I see very similar to them, I know you were saying about Belgium a few years back, but right now I think England are in that sort of similar situation. England have got a lot of young, talented players coming through. And, and with those two tournaments coming up in the next two years, if England can have a real solid team um, with good bonding ship, which seem like they have compared to, say, the golden generation. And they can they can really establish who the main players are and, and, and the squad. They could really do some damage in those two tournaments. And hopefully, God hope, fingers crossed, uh, bring a, a trophy back to, uh, to England. Hopefully, football will be coming home soon. Mate, we've been waiting for it for too long. But like, what I will say on that, obviously, with the England team, man, I... In my eyes, this generation has the potential to be better than our golden generation. And I know, I know it's early. I mm. know it's early for me to be saying that. But I feel like the way in which football has progressed, I feel like England's moving with it. Like I've done some coaching yeah. over the summer. Ed, uh, we was going around the UK um, and we went to a football complex for England and was speaking to a few of the coaches there. And they said a big thing for them was to bring the technical side of the game to England mm. football. So seeing that and seeing how they've implemented that, it really does show when you see players like Trent coming through a right back. Ability, if we're talking, yeah. say, 10, 15 years ago, mm. was England's right backs, say, our best technical players? Definitely not, but it's good nah. to see we're moving with the times. Definitely. And uh, yeah, like, like you said, uh, you, you touched upon um, England bringing through quite a lot of... Uh, technically gifted talent coming up and, and that's what you really want to see and I, I think in the last uh, World Cup just gone when we got uh, semi-finals finished fourth place overall uh, I don't think England were quite ready going in that tournament I was shocked that we got that far I don't think anyone thought we were going to get that far now we've been able to gel a bit more we established our team great manager for the team I think now that that that, that we're gelling more we can go into these next two competitions and, and this will be the time I think for this generation this will be their moment Generations come and go so quickly, so uh, 
yeah, two tournaments in two years. Hopefully, uh, uh, good old Gareth can have a, a good squad together and, and, and we can replicate a lot of what we did do in uh, in Russia because I think it really got the uh, the country behind the, the team and it was, it was great to see that. And yeah, it would be lovely to win. It, do you know what? It was the biggest thing that I've seen, I can honestly say, where I actually believed that we could do something. Mm. And the reason I say that is that everyone was behind the team it felt like it wasn't just the football fans, it was the entire nation was behind the team. It did, didn't team. it? More so than and, normal. Oh, yeah, it, it was crazy. But with, obviously, our England team, there's players that go on to do great for England and there's players that have a few caps and then their England careers come to an end. So, because of reasons like that, we have our XI for today, Ed. And we mm. have our England XI with 10 caps or fewer. Okay, so I'm going to start off by throwing two keepers into the hat. Um, we're going to have a 4-4-2 formation, sorry, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can't decide on the player, you can have the left side. So if it's left side dominant, you can have the pick. And if it's right side dominant, I have the pick. We don't have Will with us as usual today, so we're going to have to have a bit more of a debate than usual today. But Yeah, coming to the decision. So okay. yep. my first two keepers, Butland and Foster. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting one. And this was an interesting position because... Uh, when I was going through this whole list and looking into people, you think, oh, I didn't realise they had so fewer caps or I well, I wasn't expecting maybe some of those to have caps at all from, from, from my knowledge. But these were these are two goalkeepers that I agree with. One of them I actually had down as mine and that was Ben Foster. I'm assuming you mean him over Fraser Forster, did you say? Yeah. yeah. Um, and th- th- with Foster as well, I feel like he's one of those ones where I feel like it just hasn't really happened for him in his career. Mm. I feel like he's a very talented goalkeeper. He is, um, yeah. And it's I just feel like, like it hasn't really United. hit that point, has it? And it's just yeah. he's always been he's performing great and he's in that mid table team and then they start to fall off and it's it's been going like that for some time. Like, I do think I do I do think he's a very underrated goalkeeper. I feel like if he was at top team, um, I feel like he could have gone further. Obviously he had, he was at United before, wasn't he? Yeah. And things didn't really work out. But I feel like he does deserve a second chance at a top six team. So. Yeah. Well I remember at United he was always sort of the understudy towards the end of Van der Sar's career and then he got like a season where he was sort of given given the role before they signed De Gea but I don't think he was ever really Ferguson's man like that he thought he's going to be the guy he had a really good loan spell at Birmingham and I think he uh, went on to play like he said some with some great clubs at, uh, at, at sort of a Premier League level not not higher tier like United and he's and he's always been a, a good player and, he, and he's gone to like a few tournaments with England but he's never been the man like he's never been the main goalkeeper he's just been someone who's who's been there with the team and I could easily see it next year when um when the teams are announced about the tournament that he will be in the squad again I don't think he'll be the main man but he he's yeah. good enough and I, I agree with you here I think he's he's good enough to be in in this position yeah so we agreed on Foster yeah I, I'd, I'd agree with yeah. you Foster yeah yeah so Foster is our keeper Right back. This was a really difficult position. I had to do a bit of digging. I struggled with this one, to be honest. This was a position I probably. This one, I'm going to throw a curveball. And the reason I'm throwing a curveball into this, I'm going to say Trent Alexander Arnold. How many captures has Alexander Arnold got at this point, then? I believe nine, if I'm correct. I'm going to stand back. I'm going to stand with nine. I'm going to allow you to do your research now. If I'm wrong. Yeah. If I'm wrong, he's not in the team. But if I'm right, he definitely has to be in the team. Yeah, well, I I I agree with that then. If 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 that's correct, because 
he is, uh, as we were touching upon earlier, like in terms of ability-wise, uh, and a fantastic player. And, and uh, the guy I had, because I couldn't really whack one up, uh, was uh, Hibbert. Remember him for uh, <laughs> for Everton? He wasn't a bad player. But the reason I was thinking him uh, is because he's had uh, so many games for, for Everton over his career. Played at a law servant for Everton. Uh, always playing main team for a while. But... Uh, but but yeah, no, if 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 Trent is the person, and uh, yeah, he's got nine caps from one. Nine I, caps, one seen. goal, man. Yeah, I, no, I'd agree with you there. Then in that case, because Alexander Arnold, he's going to get. I didn't a lot think you'd be. I don't, didn't think you would be arguing with Trent for some reason, man. I don't no. know why. I, uh, I I won't I won't argue with that at all. I, I just he he didn't come to mind for me. I, I I personally thought he might have had more, but you're you're completely right. He's got nine appearances. So uh, yeah, that that's that's. It feels like he's been around for a while now, though, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I guess because at the World Cup, when he um, was sort of around that point in his first year, he was sort of still unfavoured to Walker and Trippier. But as yeah. the years have sort of gone on, it's like you can't deny him the squad because he's too damn good. And he is 100% better than uh, Hibbert. So 100% Trent Alexander-Arnold. All right, so my centre-halves I'm going to throw in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, obviously, one from today's era. And I'm going to yeah. go one from a previous era. Okay. So my one from the current era, I do think we'll get uh, many, many more England caps, is Tamori. I think he's a very, very right. good centre-half. And I feel like he's the sort of player when England needed coming through. And I feel like Lamp's done him wonders at Derby last season. He's got him with, with him at Chelsea this season. I think he's playing really well. For a bit of a throwback, you're going to call this bias, but I think this is a bit of a travesty in the way in which he captains United as well. Brucey... How Steve Bruce never got an England cap, I will never know. Yeah. I uh, I, I also uh, had Steve Bruce. I was quite shocked when I, I was doing my research, saw he was what a player who had none. I was, couldn't believe that because, yeah, he was a uh, captain for United, sort of going into the Premier League era. He was he was, he was was a really top player. And, yeah, no, it really did uh, shock me that I, I saw he, uh, he hadn't played for England. So I thought that the, the fact that that's the case, he is probably head and shoulders above a lot of the other types of players you have now. I know you mentioned Tamori and there's some other good ones who at this time might not have played that much like Lewis Duncan and uh, Connor Cody. But the other person I had in there, a really good player uh, for for Arsenal, was uh, Steve Bold, who I believe is still the um, Arsenal uh, assistant manager at the moment. Yeah, Um, yeah, I thought thought he was was a good player. Like, sort of... It wasn't so much when I was watching football, but I know in in terms of the George Graham time at Arsenal, he he was like a regular player for them and and uh, and was and, and played quite a good level. He was sort of like a hard man role defender, and I, I, I thought he would have had more caps from uh, from from when I was looking at it. So uh, yeah, I I Steve Bold and, and Steve Bruce personally for for myself. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'd probably go Tomori having more potential, just because of how young he is and the excitement that surrounds him. That's why I'd probably lean more towards him. I feel like another the thing one is, that I'll throw in that I thought I think you'll probably shut down because I think you've uh, not spoke too highly of him in the past. Is uh, Jonathan Woodgate, man. He was he wasn't a bad player. He played for Real Madrid and Spurs, and I, I quite liked a bit of Jonathan Woodgate. I know it didn't work out for him when he played for uh, Real Madrid, and it was a big step up for for such a player at that, that that time. But yeah, no, I was quite impressed um, with him at, at Tottenham Hotspur, and I, I thought he might have got a few more caps under his belt. I'll be honest. Woodgate was a name that kind of sprang to mind. I do agree at Spurs. He obviously, he scored, if I'm right, he scored the winner against Chelsea in the cup final as well. He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah in the Carling yeah, cup did. final, yeah. I remember that because I, I remember he was playing Sunday League um, and we won 2-1 and our manager was a Spurs fan and he turned around to me and he goes, Spurs are going to win 2-1 after extra time tonight. And I started mm. laughing hysterically at him. 
but <laughs> mate, I had to do laps the next training session, so that kind of taught me. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, I, this is a difficult point for me. I, I'm really leaning towards Tomori, and the reason is, is because I, I see the potential, and I feel like if we're going to look at it from, say, if you look at the player, what the, what the heights you think they can reach, I feel like the sky is the limit with him, where I feel like with the era that Borders in, I feel like there was just two, I, I, he kind of got stuck under a lot of great players. But I feel like even now with Tomori, we've still got some great England defenders and he's getting a sniffing. So that, for me, is kind of why I'll, I was I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you have Tomori. You seem quite uh, dedicated. You've got a lot of faith in, in Tomori. But I, I want to oh. put a statement out. Like I, If I was making my England team now, so you said the Euros was going ahead, I personally wouldn't have taken Tomori. You wouldn't, you wouldn't take him? No, I, I don't think he'd be maintained for me. I, I personally think the main two centre-backs uh, for myself would be uh, Maguire and Joe Gomez. And yeah. I, I, I don't know, I just feel Lewis Dunk and Connor Cody for me, I, I, I really like them for their, for their teams. And I think, I think Tomori's not bad, but like you said, he's, got, he's all about potential. It's whether he can, over the next year, the, the next year coming up will be a real big one for him if he can play main team at Chelsea under Lampard and then maybe get a few more caps under his belt. He, he might then be able to uh, ensure that he gets into that squad. The I thing feel is, like with this tournament going on next summer, I feel like it works in his favour. I think it benefits England a lot more because those younger players can have that bit more time the first in football. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that, that is fair because that's what we touched upon earlier. Who, it's, who it's a young team. Who did you look at for left-back, bud? This was a position that I really struggled with, like really struggled with. I could only, like, and there was only one name who I could put down on there and I could say that I would essentially My would one make was uh, Nigel Winterburn, the ex-Arsenal uh, player. Exactly yeah. the same for me, mate. He was the only one in which I could say, if I'm writing an England team, I looked at all of the left-back, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Yeah, well, what was shocking about uh, this one for myself is even if he wasn't the main team uh, left-back for, for England, it's the fact that he only got two caps overall, which means he wasn't really being played as the uh, the second string left back either and yeah. uh so so but yeah with with, with what I've done my uh, my research he, he's he's definitely the one that, st that stood out for for myself um that, uh, versus any current uh, England players who maybe haven't quite got those caps I, I couldn't think of anyone else who could challenge that but even so he was a good player he re uh, really played well for for Arsenal um in in, in the uh, in the 90s so I I think uh, Winterburn's quite an easy choice for this position yeah, he's easy for me as well, man. No, he, he was the only one that, like I said, sprang to mind. I even done my research. He was the only one that I could put in there and say that I would be happy to put them in the team. Mm. So, Winterburn's in. So, nice. midfield's a bit of a difficult one for me because yeah. I haven't really gone the usual way and gone, say, the, the direction of just England players. I've kind of... I've thrown a few spanners in the works, mate, and you know okay. I like to do that. So, my f midfield, so I'll go right... From right mid across the left mid. So my midfield, I've gone Ward Prowse, right mid, Ray Parler, centre mid, very close between Madison and Murphy for the other centre mid, and left mid, Wilfred Zaha. Wilfred Zaha, yeah, he did play that one game or one or two games and then he went off to, to play for every coast. Um, yeah. Well, what, what I had for my one, I had Jermaine Pennant. Yeah, he was I thought, I thought he, 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 he was he was a great player, Liverpool. Um I'm surprised he didn't get a cap at that point. I guess that was within the golden era, so uh, then was I went hard with era uh, to be an England player. Yeah, I went with uh, Ray Parler as well. I, yeah. I also fought Ray Parler. And then the, for the other position in, in midfield, it was a toss up between three and it really uh, it really was hard to to make a decision on that one because uh, there's a few players 
I'll quickly name them all to yourself. One of them was also Danny Murphy. Absolutely love that guy yeah. for what he'd done for Liverpool and Fulham, notably. Uh, but then also two two Premier League legends, uh, Nolan and Mark Noble. So Kevin Nolan and Mark Noble. Two two players who played a lot of games in the Premier League and never got a cap, which is just surprising. The thing for me, then, which I would say is that I would agree with Mark Noble. And I feel like every, it seems like every era of England players, we have that sort of player. Yeah, he got underutilised. He deserved the cap. You had it with Scholes. You had it, mm. I'd say, with players such as Carrick, not just to name United players, but you've got that like, no, but those guys that kind of sit in the middle of the park, do the dirty work, and do it so calmly, they kind of get forgetting about. Well, with Scholes, it's an interesting one. Um, he was playing left mid. In yeah. uh, the 2004 Euros, because he was playing Gerrard and, and Lampard in the, in, in the centres. And at, at the end of that tournament, he said to, um, he said to, uh, oh my God, I'm completely blank on, uh, what was the manager's name again? I've completely blanked it. Sven Joran Eriksson. Sven Joran Eriksson. God, yeah, my God. I had the picture in my head, but I completely went blank there. Good old Sven. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Sven just said he tried to convince him to, uh, to keep on playing. And, uh, and yeah, Skulls didn't want it anymore. He wanted that time to spend with his family. So the, the opportunity that he could spend extra time with them when everyone was going on the international break, he could be with his family, which is fair enough, understandable. But when it's such a good player like that, and he could have carried on to the 2006 World Cup, there's not a shadow of a doubt, and probably 2008 Euros, which we didn't make, obviously, but he would have been part of that squad. So it might have been that difference. And yeah, I don't know why he didn't fancy it, but it's, it's, it is a big shame for, for that England era. But uh, with, with this one, what, what I think... Uh, could be a could be could be a good way of going. I know we both said Ray Parler, so I think he should definitely be in that squad. And due to the fact that I also had Danny Murphy, yeah, and you had I Danny think, Murphy, I think it makes makes sense that uh, Danny Murphy's that other role. And what a legend he was, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> really enjoyed Danny Murphy. He's that kind of old school British gritty centre mid. You don't really mm. find them as much anymore, so it's good to see. I, I miss those sorts of players, man. I remember one of my first pro games. Um, this was this was when Danny Murphy was at Spurs. And okay, I remember yeah, yeah. going to see him and I'm just seeing that sort of gritty central midfielder. And the only time actually after that I can say that I've been to a pro game and which I saw that sort of grit. Weird one to say, but Dembele for Spurs, mate. Very underrated yeah. player. Very underrated player. That sort of, again, comes back to it. Central midfielders, they just do the dirty work. They don't do anything fancy. It's all just simple. Those players yeah. do get underrated. But He couldn't tackle Dembele. He was, he was like a brick wall when he had oh. the ball at his feet. He was he bounced off him. He's unbelievable. Literally, mm. I was... That, that, at one point I think there was three guys around him and he manages to turn out and just play and I was just like oh my yeah. that, you simply cannot teach that but so we've got Parler and Murphy in the centre of the park who would you go on the right and left flanks Ed? so with the uh, the right flank I, I, as, as I said I had, I had Jermaine Pennant I, I really rated him at uh, Birmingham and Liverpool I thought he was he was a solid player and, uh, and left wing I went one for uh, out of our generation but a player that I'd heard quite a lot of about being being a Liverpool fan, uh, and that was uh, Jimmy Case. Jimmy Case, uh, he, was, he was a Liverpool legend uh, who won uh, four of their titles around sort of the 70s, 80s sort of era. And uh, I, I, I've heard quite a bit about Case um, just from reading things and, and watching stuff around the, that, that, that great Liverpool team of that era. And uh, when I was uh, making my research and, and looking at potential players who had had limited caps or none, it really shocked me to hear that he had no caps um, when I was when I was looking through that, so uh, due to the fact that I've got the power on the uh, on the old left wing, Case is going in at left left mid. So if you go with Case, I will tell you what, 
This is very hard. I could say Zaha or Ward Prowse here, but I'm going to throw a spanner again, mate. I'm mm -hmm. actually going to go with Pennant. And yeah. the reason that I'm going to go with Pennant is because of what he achieved, in which he had that sort of time. He was at Arsenal. Things mm. didn't work out there. And he kind of had that working back with his career. So for that, I, I honestly believe he has to go into the team. So I Pennant's think he had the ability of a player who could have achieved more. If you know what I mean? I think... Oh yeah, with for the sure. technical ability, like we were touching upon earlier, like with Trent, um, he he could cross a ball, he could dribble so fast, have uh, great control of the ball at his feet. Um, I, I think he played for some big clubs, as you said, Arsenal, and then obviously Liverpool played the Champions League final of Liverpool. But in terms of England, I know he was up against the mighty David Beckham, but he, he yeah, he never really even got a sniff into the squad. Nah, uh, it's sad to see, but these things do happen in football when you are a player in a position for a national team and you look mm. and there's four or five players ahead of you it's it's going to be difficult to kind of break into that setup but he was a bit of a liability as well wasn't he yeah and the thing is this, obviously there's been issues with him before but we're not going to get into that and, mm. but from what you've said I will have to go Pennant man so we've got Pennant Parler Murphy and uh, Jimmy Case Jimmy Case and for strikers for me okay this was this was quite a hard one because I was shocked yeah. at the, the, the ones that were there this was the only position in which I can say that I had so many players, I was finding it hard to even make a list, a, like a small list of players to go from. But mm. I narrowed it down to four. Okay. And the four for me, yep. um, three quite um, a bit of a throwback. So the three for me, um, so first Mr. Andy Cole, um, I think with it, era he was playing in, he was playing in that kind of that class of 92. He was playing with those guys and I feel like he'd done really well. And it was quite yeah. a shock to see that he had as few as caps as he had. Um, two other ones as well. The first, um, this was actually so shocking for me. The first was Matt Letizier, okay? Yeah. And seeing how few caps he'd had, I think it, it was like, it was literally near none that Matt mm. Letizier had. And for a player who, I, his, his nickname was Le God. Like, if someone is called Le God, they should be getting a sniff in the England team. And again, yeah, he kind of come in that era of like, I'm looking here, mm. he had eight England caps. For a play in which he was respected to that level, I can't look past Letizia. And seeing how many goals, he was at Southampton for how many years as well? I think 16 years, maybe, he was right. at Southampton. And seeing yeah, that sort of loyalty. And he, he was never, ever, ever rewarded with it at all. And it was it's just quite sad to see, man. Yeah. And uh, who, who was the, uh, the others that you had? Uh, the one, so I had... Stan Collymore, which I'm guessing you'll be very happy to hear. Um, I think with him, he was a late bloomer. Um, mm. But then if you look at players such as Lambert, um, they get an England cap mm. later in their careers. I'm guessing it's obviously a different era now to then, but it was he was obviously late bloomer, but I feel like he should have got more caps. And Danny Ings as well. Um, I feel like injuries have really um, kind of halted his in England career, but seeing how he's come back this season, he's obviously at Southampton now. Um, he's performing quite well. So he's actually one I think could probably sneak his way back in, just to, not as obviously a first team player, but as that sort of yeah. um, that sort of he, fringe player on the England setup. He's a player who I reckon was not. It wasn't an advantage for the fact that the competition was cancelled because he's had such a great season now that now he's probably got to do that again to get in the squad. I reckon if if, it, if the tournament was this summer, like you said, I reckon he might have been able to sneak in there. But the fact is. Um, a lot of the players who might have necessarily gone in there on injuries, uh, like your uh, your Canes and, and and your Rashfords, he's now got to compete with fresh ones of those. And 
Yeah, I, f I feel like if 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 he didn't have to replicate it again, he might have been sneaking in and up in those caps, like you said. But yeah, he's had a great season, and there is time to do it. But he's he's got a, he's got to carry on at Southampton, keep scoring goals, and keep being the main man uh, there to 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 push for that squad. But uh, in terms of your um. In, in, in your uh, guys that you had, I had a lot of those myself. I thought Andy Cole though. I thought he had more. I thought he had um, more England caps. I looked it up and it said he had 15, which is still ridiculous. But I, I thought he might not uh, classify for for this specific team. Let's have a look. But even even if it is only 15 and not and yeah, not was. moving, what uh, 15? So yeah, so you are right. He did have 15. So I'm but that's wrong still on that crazy. One. Like like you were saying, yeah. like he, he he in that United team, and even before United at Newcastle, he was a goal scoring machine. It's crazy to think how how he didn't get more caps when he did. His his partnership with Dwight York and and the rest of the United uh, strikers such as Sheringham and Solskjaer. I don't know how uh, other players were able to keep him out. Saying that though, that was a good England time for strikers in terms of your Shearers and and as you said, Sheringham and. Fowler and Ian Wright, so I guess. Yeah, I'm just going to ask you a question based on Cole, okay? Yep. So in his career, Cole scored 229 goals, mm. okay? If you are a national team manager and you are looking at a player, how do yeah. you look past 229 career goals? That's that is... he, he was literally a goal every other game. He's that is crazy time. when you put it in that in that situation. How such a goal scoring machine could get neglected for for picking. Yeah, when you when you look at some of the players who might have played caps for England, it's it's, it's outrageous, really, that he only played fifteen, and and why so little, and yeah. why the managers like Glenn Hoddle or or Sven even, because around that two thousand and two time, he still, I, I'm guarantee you, was was getting the goals, even if it wasn't necessarily for Man United. So uh, it's, it's it's interesting to see how he, he got so little. But uh, some of the ones I I had uh, that you had also were Letizia, Collymore. Uh, as well as them, uh, Chris Sutton, who had a really good season uh, with uh, Blackburn Rovers, won the league there with uh, alongside Alan Shearer. Yeah. But the man who I love, and I'm 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 making sure gets in this team. Really, really great striker, super Kevin Phillips. Absolutely love Kevin Phillips. He he had one season where he got top goal scorer in the Prem, where he then started to get a few England caps. Unfortunately, missed out on any major tournaments with them. But his time at, at Sunderland. Southampton, Aston Villa. He was always a goal-scoring machine. He beca in the later part of his career, he then became that championship striker. And uh, I'm, I'm really a, a big pusher for, even over Stan Collymore, for Super Kevin Phillips to be Ooh. in this team. You'd, you'd say Kevin Phillips over Stan Collymore, yeah? So I am if gonna we're gonna say, yeah. if we're gonna agree and say, I, I'll give you this, I'll say Kevin Phillips is in there, okay? Lovely, lovely. I, I'm agreeing with that. You sound quite passionate about it, and obviously, yep. from what you've said, it is true. He was never at a great team as well, but he just continued to score goals. And yeah. with that sort of poacher, number nine, you don't teach that. Sometimes you just have the talent of being able to sniff out a chance in the box, and he always yeah. would. Almost um, got a move to Arsenal, but it didn't quite happen for him. It would yeah, have been interesting to see what, what would have materialised. Yeah, it, it's another one of those, isn't it? It's what could have happened. But yeah. um, for the other position, I've got to go Letizia, man. Yeah, just I can't disagree. The heights he reached... And the level in which he played to, um, and some of those goals. Be, yeah, let let's let's look into it, right? Are we sat here saying that Letizia couldn't have got a move away from Southampton? Oh, he definitely could have. He could have exactly. signed for a big club it's, as well. Exactly, it comes down to that sort of loyalty. That loyalty. Um, you've got Letizia, like obviously Totti's a big one. I, I, yeah. I just feel like you don't, you can't buy loyalty. Um, you don't get that as much anymore. Like you had really like. Know. 
I all, think... the, all like the Totties, the the Maldinis, Gerards. Um, we could list loads of them, like Skulls and, and all that. Um, but I know a lot of them were, were at big clubs anyway. But you look at uh, the ones who were loyal to their lower club. Like Totti could have gone to Real Madrid or, or Manchester United if he wanted to, but he, yeah. he didn't want to leave Roma, even though they weren't necessarily always a team at the top of the game. Uh, and obviously, Gerard had that chance where he could have gone to Chelsea. Um... He, yeah, under Mourinho, that was a. Uh, Nervous times, but I think he was. He, from when you speak to uh, the Gerard, and or when people speak to him on, on these documentaries and his interviews, he always says that he was really close to that move, and uh, and it was a, sort of like a last minute thing that he 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 pulled out of it. And uh, I know again, Real Madrid was sniffing after him at one point as well, so he 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 was close. And you, I guess when those offers do come in, even if you're really loyal and you love the club, it's there's got to be one part of your brain that's thinking, oh, what if? Yeah, I know it, but. It is a difficult one. Like, my thing will always be more towards the loyalty. Like that's mm. always been the way in which um, I played football throughout. Um, obviously, my younger career and stuff. That loyalty always come, and I feel like, like you said, that loyalty isn't really there anymore. But it was just beautiful to see. Um, and kind of with doing the research on Leticia, I will be honest. It kind of made me do a bit of video research backwards and look at some of his goals and just some of those goals that Leticia scored. Yeah, like, outrageous. There is no way. So for you, obviously Kevin Phillips has to be in there. For me, Matt Letizia has to be in there, man. I'd, I'd agree with that. And uh, I think we could even throw a certain manager in there who only got a one cap, I believe, for England uh, fairly recently. Big Sam Allardyce. He, he didn't quite reach the Kent 10 <laughs> cap mark, so he can be the manager. <laughs> yeah, not, the thing with Allardyce, it was I like, sort of, like my teenage years, it was kind of like, I was looking and you could kind of see the young British managers were starting to come up and it was they were getting more of a chance in the Premier League and whatever mm. else. And then you looked at play uh look sorry, managers like your Allardyces, like your Harry Redknapps and I was like, Right, these guys could do a job for England. I was looking at us saying, Yeah, it's just like obviously Roy got the England job ahead of Harry yeah. and I feel like everyone is agreed on saying that that was a robbery of Harry Redknapp. Mm. Mm. Well, I remember Allardyce almost got the job the first time when uh, Steve McLaren got the job. And yeah. I reckon a lot of people would be uh, hoping that he did get that job over him. But uh, McLaren got the job. We all know about that with the uh, Wally with the brolly. Yeah, but uh, w- with this one, I, uh, I, I, when Allardyce came in, I was gutted when he got sacked. But hindsight, looking at him now, I don't know if with all those superstars and the way he plays, because he's very much long ball, old school English football, whereas I think... Um, Gareth Southgate or might be more of that man who could groom these young players to play a really nice stylish football and, 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 and a good way to compete with the other big teams. So I think in terms of losing um, Big Sam uh, and gaining uh, Gareth Southgate, that's, that was a big thing that's probably better for us. I, I do agree, man. I feel like with the time in which Southgate has spent with the under-21s um, yeah. and then bringing that into the first team, I felt like that really showed. Because mm, he built um, the relationship with a lot of the players that he'd already uh, played Exactly, with. exactly. And when you know players like that, it's going to be that easier transition. Imagine what it's like for a lot of those younger guys. You're coming in, um, you're a young player, so you're in the fringes of, say, Chelsea. You're loaned out somewhere. Someone like Abraham, he then gets called in. Obviously, it might not be that big of a deal for him, but getting called mm. in with your Rashford, your Canes and all of that, it could be overwhelming. But I feel like where Southgate already has that relationship with a lot of the players... He could, it's going to be a lot easier of a transition. Mm, yeah, and uh, in Gareth we trust. Yeah, I, I do trust, man. I do trust. But obviously, that brings our XI to an end. Ed. Yep. Um, mate, I'm actually chuffed with that one. 
That's actually yeah, no, a it's solid good. team. It was, what was interesting about this one is it, it, it did mean I had to do some research uh, with this one. Like with a lot of the other ones, even though we, we look into it research, we, we kind of knew it anyway. We knew what our Prem XI was probably going to be. Uh, with this one, yeah, it was really interesting to find out some of uh, some of these uh, statistics and, and how much some players haven't played as much. So, yeah, it was it was a good one. Yeah, it was exciting, obviously, with a lot of the exercises we've done, discussed on the podcast and as friends previously. Mm. It's always, you can't always have those, the world is at your disposal in which you can choose so many players. With this one, I think it was good because it kind of limited our choices down. Yeah. But then it still gave us the opportunity to kind of have a chat about things. But, mate, I wouldn't mind putting that team out. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I think, yeah, you can get, get quite a lot of goals up top with those two. And, yeah, solid team. So, so a good team from different areas as well. A lot of different oh, yeah. generations. Oh, yeah. Logod and Phillips up top, mate. You can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, thanks very much, Dale. Cheers. I really enjoyed that, mate. No time, man. Uh, well, that's been a wrap for today, guys. Obviously, that's been episode three of Dell's Debate. Please follow our socials, as I said before. Check us out on YouTube and check us out on Spotify. Again, please stay safe and check back for all of our upcoming content. Thank you. Thanks.